Welcome to Innovating EdTech, the show where we dive in and hear from education experts about what's happening on the ground and what the future holds. Today, I'm your host, Benjamin from user.com. Join me as I hear from Professor Alexandria Przegalenska, a senior researcher from Harvard who shares ideas about the intersection of artificial intelligence and education. Plus, we look at some great concepts of assistive technology. Hi, Professor. Please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. I'm Alexandra Przegalinska. I'm the vice rector of Kosminski University, a business school in Warsaw, Poland. And I specialize in language processing, which is a domain within artificial intelligence. I'm also a senior research associate at Harvard University for the next couple of years. You've been in this industry for a long time, like AI and education. Can you tell me about some of the highlights or some of the things you're proud of? I have been working in the field of artificial intelligence for more than 10 years now. And I have to tell you that it's been quite an amazing ride. When I was beginning my journey with AI, I think there were many people who were extremely skeptical about it, about its success, about the implementation in business, about its potential. And I do remember that I was really fascinated with bots, with conversational assistants, and my goal was to build an assistant that would be able to speak with humans like a human, or in other words, pass the Turing test. And when I was learning how to code bots and generally like reading about them, the supervisor of my PhD told me that it was such a marginal like discipline and that maybe I should switch because she was concerned about me choosing something that would ultimately be unsuccessful as a discipline, would be a failed discipline. Then it turned out that I think the first implementation was Siri and Apple smartphones, and it obviously wasn't doing such a good job in terms of managing the dialogue, but it was already understanding quite well. And I thought that there was hope. And I can say it only got better over time. The past couple of years have been pretty spectacular in artificial intelligence. We've seen more realistic approach to AI. We've seen how people became kind of practical about it and how they started using AI-based tools in many different sectors, in many different disciplines. I would say medicine is probably the most impressive example of that when you think about telemedical solutions with bots also that onboard the patients to hospitals. When you think about medical diagnosis as well, which is actually done through and by AI. It's an impressive pathway. Also in logistics and in a couple of other sectors like e-commerce and marketing, you have AI basically everywhere. That has not been the case. A couple of years ago, people were talking about it, but there wasn't that much happening. There was a lot of speculation. And then suddenly with the rise of deep learning, with deep neural networks, there was a boom. These days we are experiencing another wave of this boom because we have systems uh, like DALI, like GPT-3, that are taking it to the next level because they offer low-code solutions that are sitting on very powerful AI engines, which means that anybody who is interested in translating text, generating text, generating an image, finding insights about something, can use these tools without any barriers. So I think... We are now experiencing the next big wave of AI implementation, and that is something that I'm extremely pleased about. You were my advisor at Kozminski, and I think this was something that I was even recognizing I wrote on AI and esports. You were able to help and give some ideas and really recommend some things, so I really appreciate that. That was something that helped me professionally. I wonder if you could also share something that helped or someone that helped you early on. 
Sure. I mean, well, thank you for the kind words. Obviously, you are an amazing student, very autonomous, I would say. But yes, I did have my mentors and I have to mention a couple of people. One was actually Professor Katarzyna Papszycka from the philosophy department at Warsaw University because she was doing a theory of mind and she was focused on human agency and how it works and models for human agency. And she was an extremely inspirational figure for me that bridged artificial intelligence as a very practical discipline with all the metaphysical stuff, with big questions about where AI is going and where is it taking us? Can we even model the mind? And what happens if we will? So these were like amazing questions that were very helpful for my PhD. But later on, I have met many inspirational people both at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and at Harvard. I have to say that I have been doing my postdoc at MIT between 2016 and 2019. And I have met very inspirational figures who are really doing cutting edge stuff in artificial intelligence. I could mention Peter Glor from the Center for Collective Intelligence. He is extremely interested in bridging our collective intelligence, so the human intelligence, kind of bound all together with artificial intelligence in the context of the future of work and some other topics. And I have also met Rosalind Picard, who is a very important figure in the field of affective computing. So taking and or retrieving our physiological signal, what we feel, our emotions, our bodily responses to various stimuli and modeling them in such a way that AI understands them, in fact, that it understands our emotions. So Professor Picard has been very important for me as well. Most recently, I've been working for a couple of months now with Professor Freeman, uh, Richard Freeman from Harvard, and he is from a completely different domain because he's always been preoccupied with workers' rights and economics in terms of mobility, in terms of migration. But recently he launched a project on automation of work and how to protect the workers in the future against the negative impact of artificial intelligence. So we are now working together on that. I have to say that so far it's been fantastic. Finally, I could mention my co-author, Dariusz Jemielniak, also from Kosminski University, who is an avid Wikipedian. And he's also an enthusiast of open source communities and open knowledge formats that people are willingly sharing with other people. And I think there is a great intersection between artificial intelligence and open source community, um, open code. And I think it's the future of artificial intelligence. So he is in, in that way also a, a very important figure for me. I guess you are writing a book together, something about collaborative AI. Yeah, well, we have written one. It's called Collaborative Society. We have published it with MIT Press. And actually, it was focused mostly on how people will collaborate in the future using various technologies, including artificial intelligence, but not only. The funny thing is that actually we wrote this book a couple of years ago and we published it in March 2020. As everybody, I guess, remembers, that was the time when COVID rose to, you know, I would say recognition, but it became definitely a big phenomenon that we could not ignore. And the first chapters of our book were focused on remote work. So some people were extremely suspicious about how is it that we published a book about remote work and hybrid work and online work right before the pandemic. But it was just a coincidence. It's just that we thought that the way we work and collaborate with one another would unfold that way. We just didn't think that it would happen that quickly. 
COVID here was obviously an accelerator. So that was one book, but we're going to publish a book with Cambridge University Press, actually on AI and business strategy. This book, interestingly enough, is not written only by us, but also by GPT-3. So by an AI system, by an artificial intelligence that generates text. You don't have many books written in that way, but it is a beginning of a new era. And I am expecting that we will see more and more books, articles, and other works written together with artificial intelligence. So it's just the beginning and we want it to be at the frontier here. My company is based in SaaS. So we're seeing a lot of different companies starting projects with GPT-3. Even with Dolly, we're just seeing the start of that. And I think it's it's only expanding. So I'm really interested to see more with what's going on. But also, maybe you could share about like the overlap of AI and education, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is a very interesting, I would say, uh, overlap that is not explored yet or not explored to the extent that to which other uh, sectors are already using artificial intelligence with the medical field or healthcare. And I could also mention logistics and I guess marketing as examples of where AI is used for many different processes for optimization, but also to make predictions about the future, about the market or about the possible progress of a disease for this medical diagnosis example that I mentioned. I think there are disciplines that are quite well developed in the context of AI and are more prone because of their very nature to accept artificial intelligence as a solution. But I'd say that uh, the educational sector is very tricky here and very interesting too, because we don't have that many examples of AI in the educational sphere, let's say, but there is a lot of potential. So for instance, I myself have thought many times about how we could make the, let's say, journey of our students at the university more flexible. And for that, we would need artificial intelligence because when you think about a personalized track where you are not studying actually the same things as other students, but rather it's like pieces of puzzle that you are selecting in one entity and somebody else has a slightly different set of pieces and you both get a degree, but actually what you've studied is slightly different or maybe significantly different. There is a core, but there's also a choice around other topics or the AI system actually suggests to you what else you could study, which course you could take, taking into account your progress so far, but also where you would like to be in the future, your desired pathway, your dream career and whatnot. So if we could put those parameters into the system, we could make the learning journey of our students much more flexible. And I consider that to be a very interesting task. I know that there are some, let's say, prototypes or early versions of systems like that, but I would totally welcome them as a certain mainstream, particularly for higher education. I'm not sure to what extent they would be useful for kindergarten kids or primary school, but definitely in higher education with more developed minds and people who are well, on the verge of being really like adults and working, I think it would be a great example of using artificial intelligence, but certainly not the only one. You can think about, like I said, progress of the students and measuring it, helping them, looking at these are your strong points, these are your weak points. Sometimes if you have a teacher and you have a big group of people, AI can be a very good assistive technology to also have the teacher to help you, to see you a bit better. 
Obviously, all of that has to be done in a very ethical way, in a very transparent way. Another thing, maybe formatting education in a slightly different way. There is so much knowledge out there that we could gather it in certain batches and the teacher doesn't have to be the person who transfers the knowledge. The teacher should be the person who presents a perspective on things and establishes good and healthy relations with their students or pupils. And I do think that AI can be a technology that helps in separating simple transfer of knowledge that can be done online, that can be done in different formats, that can be done through recommendation systems from the fact that you are a mentor to someone and you should spend time talking to that person, helping the person out so that they can develop their projects and their dreams in the best possible way. So I, I do think that teachers, a bit like doctors, are very overburdened right now because there is usually one teacher and a big group of people. AI can be, as I said, a very good assistive technology here. I'm also obviously thinking about learning particular things like languages that can be done great with artificial intelligence, with virtual assistant. For languages, I think in particular, we see a lot of solutions that are based on artificial intelligence, where the system talks to you, you have a bit of a conversation, then again, measures your progress in language and chooses you know, where you should go next. So there are a couple of very interesting examples, I think, of things happening in educational sphere, but I would be happy to see more, definitely. I think that we will see very interesting things in that area. Obviously, it's also a matter of regulations and other things, how we think about the educational system, how to incorporate AI to it. But I certainly think that there is a big hope that AI could revolutionize the educational sphere in a very positive way. You have a you have a great outlook of the future. It's still undiscovered, right? But I wonder if there are some other trends that you're that you can imagine or think of. Are we going to see some stuff with IoT devices or wearable devices? Certainly, AI does not operate in isolation. It's one of those general purpose big technologies out there that we have. IoT would be another one. And so I do think that AI belongs to this great ecosystem of emerging technologies. And only when those technologies work together, we will see spectacular outcomes. So uh, you mentioned IoT. And uh, for instance, if we want to create accurate solutions in the field of, I don't know, smart buildings, smart homes, reduction of traffic jams, managing cities, building sustainable solutions uh, uh, in various industries, but also, like I said, in logistics and transportation. Uh, you need not only artificial intelligence, you also need IoT. You need real-time data. You need edge computing devices that would process uh, the data exchange and perform uh, something that we call uh, tiny artificial intelligence or tiny machine learning, right? So many predictions that are helpful in this particular situation for this particular problem, right? Not some huge predictions about the market and whatnot, but something that is valid only now, right? When this car is crossing that street. I would say that there is a great potential in bridging artificial intelligence with IoT. I know it does happen already in the industrial space to a large extent. I think it will be happening also in the area of city management in the future or urban management. But it's certainly not the only technology. You can think also about blockchain, for instance, right? Blockchain and artificial intelligence, developing smart contracts, uh, developing various solutions in the, uh, in the field of uncorrupted voting systems. That requires both blockchain and artificial intelligence together. 
you can think about VR, right? So virtual reality and artificial intelligence. When I'm thinking about the metaverse, and here I have to say I'm a bit skeptical about the metaverse. I'm a bit worried maybe about the metaverse and where it will take us. But I do think that ultimately your guide in the metaverse will be based on AI, right? So when you think about the metaverse, it has this potential of being a completely different world for you and for me, right? Each and every one of us will have their own metaverse. And so artificial intelligence will be a technology that will navigate you through that space and sort of personalize it for you, I think. When you think about shopping in metaverse and various other activities, AI will be again an assistive technology there. You will have many bots, hopefully, easily recognizable bots because we wouldn't like any confusion here, but we will have many different bots in the metaverse that will manage interactions. And they will again be obviously based on artificial intelligence. We see how AI is not only developing on its own and becoming more and more complex, more and more present in different industries, but also more and more accessible, like I said, right, where you have all this low code, no code approaches where uh, the barriers of, of uh, knowing a programming language are significantly reduced. And on the other hand, you see how AI links itself with various other emerging technologies that have a great potential. And if people decide to use them well, we can see spectacular things. All this stuff that you're talking about is so important. And I think you're giving, these are the next 10 businesses that are really successful with using AI collaborative. I'm just, I'm waiting for the next 10 years when you're going to say, I told you so, right? So I'm, I'm hoping I will, because I remember that I said to this supervisor of mine, the one who told me that I shouldn't be so preoccupied with AI because it's actually a pointless thing to do. I am hoping that now we will be able to take AI to mainstream and that will well, in a way, jumpstart a completely new phase of AI's development, collaborative phase where communal artificial intelligence is built, where it's more democratized, where many people have a chance to use it like they use the internet, really, because the internet is, in fact, a big general purpose technology and we couldn't live without it, I guess, today. It's very natural for us to use the internet for many different things. And I think the same thing may happen with AI in the coming years if we allow it to. What what role do you think empathy has to play in AI development? Talk about empathy. The question about empathy is very interesting. And so is the question about values, I would say. Because I do believe that we should be developing human-centered AI, which means the type of AI that sort of understands better values that are important to us and respects them. I wouldn't like an AI system that would be trolling people. I wouldn't like an AI system that would be making some market speculations and creating Ponzi schemes or or other things that we are afraid of. I do think that we have to build models uh, for AI that are presenting not only what we think and what we search, but also what we feel because that's the best way towards developing artificial intelligence that is ready to interact with humans. So I think we need a lot of empathy in artificial intelligence. We need to be empathetic towards one another when we are building it. We need more diversity in AI. We need many different approaches to artificial intelligence and hearing different voices about how it should unfold and where it should be deployed and perhaps where not. And in that way, I I find that to be a very empathetic approach So not just solely engineering, like cold, uh, driven by purpose, but also like understanding that this is a big technology that should be impacting people in a positive way and needs more inclusive approach. 
But the other thing is that also within an AI system, I see it already these days, right? When I think about GPT-3, it's a language model that is generating text, but it's not cursing. And it's really controlling what it says all the time, right? It's filtering out certain content that could be disturbing. And I find this approach to be a very responsible one, really, because we have seen experiments of complete free flow with artificial intelligence, where you would have a completely open system and then trolls come and just feed it with a content that is extremely disturbing. And then the system replicates that elsewhere. So I think we don't want that. And in that sense, we need systems that are empathetic. Thankfully, I see that within the AI community, there is a lot of understanding for that. So this human in the loop approach, human-centered AI, this is something that gained traction recently and, and it's developing. So I, I am hopeful that we will see more, maybe not empathetic AI in the sense that it will feel empathy, but it will be able to operationalize what that means for us humans and at least simulate being empathetic. I think this is so important. We are feeding the beast, right? So whatever we put in is going to come out. So we have to have this responsibility to evaluate, you know, even some organized structures of what we are feeding AI, because what we are creating now will, will, you know, it's the first step or second step or third step. Because it's the first step. It's very critical to just uh, be very mindful about what is it that we're trying to build. Currently, We are more focused on building assistive AI, so tools that are helping humans work, not performing the work instead of humans. So I I do think that we are usually making one step forward and then just trying to optimize that step, look back, look to the right, look to the left and just figure out, does it need any corrections or is it fine what we have done? We should just develop a technology that will be serving its purpose particularly in in things that are vital for us, in applications that are related to climate change, to sustainability, to, as I said, urban management, to healthcare sector, and more sustainable transportation. There's space for AI in all of these areas. It can optimize the way we use resources. It can make predictions that will help us making better decisions. The ambition should be an assistive technology that supports humans. Where are you learning the most from? Is it from colleagues? Mm -hmm. Are you doing a ton of research or other places? Where can people go to find some great resources? Well, I'm a a huge fan of podcasts in general, I have to say. And that's the way I consume a lot of knowledge, right? While running, for instance. So I have a a couple of podcasts uh, on AI, particularly, I would say Lex Friedman had a very interesting podcast, but these are like three hour conversations. So it's either a long run or a long ride for me. Podcasts on the emerging technologies are, are something that I am interested in. I'm also producing one, but this is not something that I listen to because I'm too biased. But I am trying to also read quite a lot. I would say that resources that are even popular, like MIT Technology Review or Wired, are great. My access to macro AI, I would say, what's happening out there. GitHub is a great resource for that too. People are leaving notes, showing their projects, showcasing them and whatnot. But the other thing is also that in my field specifically, I am doing a lot of research with my team. And so for that, in order to understand how to build a good bot, in order to understand how to build a good conversational assistant, we obviously have to go through a lot of papers. So I essentially, I read something specialized, like an article from my field, very specifically, almost every day. I would say 
a couple of different podcasts, including Lex Friedman. Sometimes Joe Rogan has very interesting podcasts on artificial intelligence as well. Now more rarely, perhaps. He had more on that in, in the past, but that is certainly interesting. And I would say there are also practical resources. So if you are interested in really building AI, then there are a couple of tools that you can test already today. We mentioned GPT-3 or DALI for image generation. It's not only a platform to play with AI, it's also a platform to understand AI. So in that sense, I think there is a big batch of knowledge about artificial intelligence in that learning by doing mode. For instance, when you sign up for DALI, you can certainly play, but you can also understand how to fine tune the model so that you get an image that you really want to get. And that's a part of learning process already. Yeah, I actually, funny enough, I just got an invite to Dolly this morning mm. and was playing around with it. It was really cool to explore, give me a 3D model or give me this style, a Van Gogh style. You have to give all this information. So the better prepared you are on your end, the better output, right? Well, so that's always the case. This is only the iceberg. I'm so excited to try a lot more with it. I think Dolly is a new kind of era. And I know that my friends who are graphic designers, Obviously, they just don't want to generate regular images. They want something more. So in order to get something more from it, they just have to really fine-tune it and they have to become specialized. It's like a new specialization within their industry, I think, within their field. They just There will be people who will be specialized in uh, image generation with AI, simply. You know, it's like almost like a new profession. And that is, I think, very exciting. Thank you, Alexandria. It was, it was a pleasure, as always, to speak with you today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to hit five stars because it really makes a difference. If you have any questions or suggestions for future guests, drop me a line and let me know. Growth at user.com. Yeah.